Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of A Man and His Word podcast. I am your host, Christian Gabriel. This week, we have an, another awesome special guest that will be joining us throughout the duration of this podcast. We'll go ahead and um, introduce him right now. His name is Grady. Grady, go ahead and say hello to our audience and um, let them know where you're from. Hey, guys. My name is Grady. I live in Sanford, North Carolina right now. Uh, I'm kind of from all over the place. Augusta, Georgia, Bend, Oregon, Hawaii, Montana, Wyoming. So I would like our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Give us a little background on who you were growing up and or before your conversion to Christianity. Okay. Uh, well, I'm 35 now, so I'll just start there. <laughs> but um, when I was growing up, um, my family tried to go to church every once in a while. There was no strong leadership in the house um, to uh, set that example. My dad was a bit of a womanizer and a gambler and alcoholic, to put it politely. A lot of us have this kind of struggles growing up, um, especially this day and age, I suppose. But, um, so I became a rebellious youth, um, a teenager, it got really bad because my parents divorced when I was 15. Um, and so I completely rebelled against God. Um, it's funny because, I mean, not like haha funny, but like, like coincidental or just kind of coincidental. Yeah. Right. Because I was, I was dissing God. I acknowledged his existence, but I didn't like the idea that he could allow these things to happen. And so I didn't want to acknowledge a God that would allow these things to happen in his creation. So it was rather ironic that I uh, acknowledged God's existence and that he was the creator of all things, yet I totally rejected him and uh, was running away from God and the purpose that he had for my life. And that, I think that was due to the examples that was around me and the things that was happening. It's sort of all you can see when you're young. But um, given that mindset, I was so I was just all in like the the worst, dirtiest rap that you could possibly imagine, uh, or whatever whatever was against God. Really, um, I was into it. Um, so I got into drugs um, of all kinds, uh, mostly. Uh, like trippy hallucinogen type drugs, just trying to discover anything to take me away from reality. And in doing so, I became twisted and corrupted um, from the path that I was supposed to be on. Somehow through all that, I found my beautiful wife that I'm with now. Um, and I can't, I mean, there's no way that I can imagine anything better. She was also in a lost place in her life. Um, to where she was actually rebelling against God as well. So it was kind of a perfect storm. My question to you is, do you think being mad at God allowed you to blame something like, it? this is the reason why, instead of trying to understand why things in your life actually happened, do you think it was, in a way, your way of coping with the, the, the trauma and or the hardships in, in life by saying, God, this is your fault yeah. and I'm mad at you. And Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Um, definitely. That's definitely a truth. Um, yeah, I feel like I was definitely uh, trying to find any excuse to be mad at God for everything. Um, and not blame myself for any of it and not find out why these things were happening. Yeah, I was just like, why can't this just be easy? So my next question to you is, what led you to Christ? I know that you said you acknowledged God, you knew that God was there, but you were rebelling against him out of anger due to things in your life, but what caused you to change the way you thought about God? What made you think that God was no longer the problem, but he was the answer? That is a 
actually a tough question and I'm going to do my best to answer it. So I'm going to try and make this as simple as possible because it could get very complicated and I'll try and stay on topic here. Yes, it was many years and it, it, it took me probably from the time I was 15, my parents divorced until the time I was about 24, 25 years old doing all that damage to myself to begin with and then starting a family, ending up with two kids, um, and then eventually a third child, uh, but she was born once we got saved. Um, but all that damage to my family at that point, going through so many different types of struggles, realizing finally I can't do this on my own. I'm not I feel like I'm not supposed to do this on my own anymore. You know, I'm making things harder than they need to be. And my, my wife actually was trying to go that direction already. The path to salvation the you're path, talking about? The path, yes, path okay. to salvation, to, to finding God and figuring out what would actually help us. Right. And um, I was running from it still, just trying to reject everything. <laughs> I was pretty stubborn. Um, Most men are. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, God created woman to uh, whip us into shape to get us to see when we are being stubborn. Yeah, yeah. he definitely works yeah. on me through her all the time. I can yeah. see that now looking back on it. Yeah, um, finding a, a good woman is, but, what do they say, is, is more valuable than rubies. I think that is amazing that she pulled you through. But do you recall um, your, I'm trying to, your conversion? Yeah, I'm trying to think about when it actually happened. Okay, okay, so here's where it was. I was trying to figure out how I can make more money, right? And I was also thinking about, I really don't want to work anymore. <laughs> I like that. How, that make, how do I make more money without working? <laughs> I like that. You, you know, let's so, go ahead and, and uh, dump all our money into Bitcoin and uh, consult the Ouija board and hopefully you know what? the jackpot. And I think that's probably a huge thing in our generation, especially. But um, that's another struggle that we face. So I was combining struggles, really. Yeah, just compounded um, interest of, <laughs> um, <so laughs> of a my, worldly With my thought process currency. and all that, I was selling cars. And um, this couple came in to buy two cars. They, they said they were going to buy one, but they ended up really, their plan was to buy two cars together and get kind of like a two-for-one deal. I'm holding up quotation marks right now. Yeah, <laughs> air quotes for, um, for our listeners. Yeah. Because that's not a real thing. A two-for-one deal on a car is not a real thing ever. But long story short, they ended up buying the two cars. And uh, I did the best I could for them, working the management to get them the best deal. And they saw that drive in me. And they knew that I had a family for our conversations through the sale. And they ended up being um, with Amway. Do you know? Oh, really? Do you know anything about Amway? As a company that sells like home goods and right. stuff. Like, yeah. Um, but Amway, um, they claim to be Christian based and I don't know how true that is because they're really about selling things. And the bottom line. Yeah. The money. So, so this guy from this couple ends up contacting me, um, a month after the sale and saying, Hey, I recognize your talent at selling. Also, do you want to be free from working? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, cha-ching, there it is. There's yes. my answer right there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I went and met with him and figured this out, um, that I was going to go and go for it. Um, so I signed up for it. I ended up going to a men's leadership conference with him um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we stayed at a hotel, a nice hotel, and had like conference-style like meetings where there would be like a leader from from this uh, division, this region. He'd get up on stage and talk and like they'd bring up one of their superstars and he'd get up there and talk. And then we'd go and play like sports games like soccer and you know, flag football and so stuff like that. So this was for the company? That was for people that were involved with Amway in this region. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. It was so just, were, just for were these conferences faith-based or was it more of a motivational speaker with a hint of Christianity. So it was a motivational speaker with a hint of Christianity and it was like there was there was a an idea of iron sharpens iron involved in there. They were using principles from the Bible to shape the type of people they wanted to be 
mm. involved with them. That's I, I get that, like instilling character because let's face it, everybody wants men and leaders that have Christian principles of honor and integrity yeah. and selfless service. Yep. Pretty much just like Jesus. So that we would stick around through thick and thin. Right. There's Instead both of just of jumping sales. jumping ship right. and going to the next place to find more coin. Yep. Yeah. So okay. So, so you were so at this in conference. This, in this conference, right on the last day, it was a it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and so on um, the Sunday they had a, a church service basically, and in, in the same room in the conference room, um, they brought in this big time pastor. And he came in and, and preached for us, basically. And he had his own pitch, too, because he had CDs and stuff that he wanted to sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there was an altar call at the end of the service. Right. <laughs> and it was just like everything lined up to me in my mind. I was like focused on the money. But also I knew I needed something to change me. And so it was oh, actually yes. I came to God because of money. God use this job to lure you, not necessarily lure you in because that's to a negative connotation. To speak to me, yeah, to, right, to, to open the door. When I wasn't to, listening. To extend, right, to extend yeah. that olive branch. And then he revealed to you the truth, yep. I'm assuming, in this altar call. Yep. And so that was, I can't say it was, a tr it was like a true conversion. Like, I didn't, I still didn't understand everything about salvation. I didn't understand it wasn't a clear picture of Jesus. It was like, it was almost like I understood that I needed to go that direction and that it was like I was letting go of the control over my life that I thought I had. Right. I was letting go of that to receive something bigger. What did your wife say when you got home? She didn't believe me. <laughs> she was skeptical, huh? Yeah, she was like, what do you mean you found God at a men's leadership conference to be able to make money? Money. <laughs> I mean, you went, you went to make more money, right? What are you doing finding God? <laughs> so, she, so she didn't buy it. What did you guys do? Was she actively going to a, a church? Or were you, did you make that decision to find a church? Or, or did it just fall on deaf ears for a while? Um, no, I mean, uh, it... It's something that she's always wanted to explore, um, but <clears throat> it took a little while to take root. Um, matter of fact, before we move on, um, I felt, and I, I've heard people say they don't feel anything when they, when they find salvation. I felt so much weight lift off of me. I wanted to s run outside and scream at the top of my lungs for like 30 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I was so excited about everything, all the possibilities in life. It's like it all came rushing in like I was brand new. Amen. And that's I think that's exactly how you're supposed to feel when yeah. you when when you get the revelation, you catch the revelation that Jesus wants you to feel that way. You know, Jesus actually <laughs> you're supposed to feel that way from from the moment you're born until then, but we lost that a long time ago, right? right? You know. But it did take a while to take root with, with the whole relationship between me and my wife, um, trying to find God together. So we ended up uh, trying a few different churches just to see if we still got the same feelings as when we, like, we, were, when we were young. We mm -hmm. both had a, um, a really uncomfortable feeling about being in church. I don't know what that is. I think a lot of people feel that, though. Mm -hmm. But... Um, <clears throat> It was probably because neither one of us had that kind of leadership and that uh, person in our lives to explain um, any of this to us in a real way. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, you know how you are when you're a kid. It's kind of everything's a foggy, attentionless mess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hold your attention span on anything. That's fair. So then you guys finally found um, a church home, correct? We went to. Uh, um, like a big mega church um, for a while and I sort of just made myself go there even though I really wasn't comfortable with it but the worship service ended up being what drew us there every time and um, eventually we realized 
as we wanted to grow in this and have it expound into our lives and and help us more and more and, and understand why we were doing it we just naturally gravitated away from that because there was like you know 30 minutes of singing and five minutes of a sermon just to pat you on the back for coming to church that Sunday and then come right. back next Sunday and fill this seat kind of thing. So got tired of that scene <laughs> and, uh, and look for something, you know, a substance, a more substance. Than right. That. Yeah. Something else we could sink our teeth into. Since your conversion, what in your life has changed and where are you now? Um, so when I was moving forward from when I had first uh, accepted God into my life and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I went through a lot more struggles, first of all. That's, that's for sure. Um, it was not just an instant fix for everything. Um, but as I learned little by little, um, you know, precept upon precept, line upon line, um, how to incorporate things that I was learning in the Bible and through my relationship with Christ um, and discovering love about, you know, real love um, and applying it to my life where the rubber meets the road. I went through different types of jobs and things that really didn't agree with my spirit. Um, as I learned more about God, I also saw more about the world. And seeing more about the world let me know I was not in the right place. Mm. Like the veil uh, was coming so off. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of like deep to look at it that way, but um, it's kind of hard to understand that. <clears throat> but that's basically what happens as, as the veil comes off, as the blinders are removed, um, as God's truth is revealed you sort of go through these growing pains. And part of that is letting go of the world and the ways that you thought you needed. Yeah. Um, and that was like making, I mean, going from making, just say for instance, $60,000 a year to making $40,000 a year, but you're being, you're, you're able to, to be with your family and um, do more things to be involved with God and to uh, have extra time to... Yeah, yeah, to live your life rather than just, just work at all. I really appreciate you, you saying, mentioning the fact that there's so many other things that you went through. Because like we said earlier, it is a, a process that we go through. And there's highs and lows and up and downs and all arounds. And as you were saying that, I was reminded of the story of a blind man that came to Jesus and was like, Hey, dude, I'm blind. Fix me. And Jesus went, you know, spit, spat on his hand, put it over the dude's eyes, and then said, hey, what do you see? And the man opened his eyes, and he could start to see, but he said that he sees men that look like trees. It wasn't clear. So he asked again, hey, help me, heal me. And Jesus did it again, and then he was able to see clearly. And that's one of, like I said before, one of the big misconceptions that the world would try to tell us should happen and when it doesn't happen they're able to throw it in our face saying your god's not real jesus isn't real if it, if he was really real then you would have been healed right away and i think that's an area that that the devil would like to use to get us to give up on our christianity what were some of the things that you had to unlearn in your early steps in Christianity, what were some of the preconceived notions that you had to destroy or that were destroyed by the truth once you, you started to learn more about Christ and faith? Okay, so I guess um, I had to unlearn some things. Um, so... I guess the, where I could start is um, I didn't actually unlearn anything until I was able to find a, a leadership figure, a, an authority figure um, in a pastor role 
he was pastor of my church currently. Um, once I was able to find someone I could talk to about it and who would actually spend time with me and hear me speaking these things and my questions and uh, what I thought I knew and <laughs> be able to correct, right. uh, correct that in a loving way. Right. And it, I've never had that in my life. And it broke, it broke something inside of me that needed to break. Mm, amen. And so then I, I began unlearning process. Right. Um, <clears throat> to where I had picked up a bunch of things from, you know, watching like YouTube, uh, like YouTube sermons of crazy stuff <laughs> that I know now. But, but it all sounds like it could be truth, but it's so complicated and complex that it really is more confusing um, than the simplicity that is the reality of right. the gospel and God's word. Going to church on Sundays, you know, that's like, up for a lot of people, that's like the only time that you have to live for God and then everything else just falls into place throughout the week. You know, how yeah. the chips just fall how they may, you know, and then you come to church on Sundays and it makes everything right. Yeah. And that's, that's something I had to unlearn, um, sort of that, that preconceived notion. Right. So like what changed do you, like when you think about that, that moment, because I share in that too, because a lot of things that you've been through, a lot of us go through the same thing and hell likes to make us think that we're all alone on that. I say that every episode because it's true. So when you were going to, to church on Sunday, you know, testing the waters and then still going home and, you know, living how you live. Not saying that as soon as you left church, it was like, hey, let's go do willy nilly. But, well, you know, no, like I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a gradual um, change, right? I can say I, I still continued to smoke pot right. even though I got saved. Right. I still continued uh, doing things that I just felt comfortable with and um, drinking as well. Yeah, I was drinking and smoking pot. I was all into different types of craft beers and stuff. Um, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a lot of unlearning to do. Yeah. <laughs> For me, when I was, I, I saw myself rationalize, like I would find things in the Bible to rationalize why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah, still. yeah. Like the thing that people say about like all, you give them all sea bearing plants and stuff like right. that for, I don't know if it was our consumption or whatever it was. Yeah. But that's a part of the Bible that people stretch to fit their, their suit their needs and their, right. and their uh, basically because, to cover their sins. Because change is a hard thing for men to do. You know, and if we can find something to, to say, hey, it's okay to do this, yeah. we'll, we'll hold on to it. Another preconceived notion that I've found, and I've dealt with other people and experienced this with other people, is drinking alcohol. The question always pops up, well, if, if God doesn't want us to drink, how come Jesus made water into wine? Paul also writes somebody and says, hey, it's okay to have a little bit of wine to help your, your stomach because... The dude he was writing to had had stomach issues, and the wine kind of helped that. Um, so to be used as a medicine, right? Uh, you, you not know. to be used in excess, right? So that's that's a huge preconceived notion that that to this day I know sipping saints, not in my church or in our fellowship or you know, but in different <clears throat> in different denominations of Christianity, they do that. The Catholics, they they literally drink wine. It's not just grape juice for communion. It is wine. You can taste the alcohol in it. And, um, yeah. So a preconceived notion there would be, um, it's kind of, it's involved with like legalism, right? Uh, where there's a clear answer, no, you're not supposed to do this, or yes, you're supposed to do this. It's more about the position of your heart and and what you're what you're leaving for God. Are you giving God your best, you know, or are you giving alcohol and your own pleasures your best? I like what you mentioned about legalism because it makes me think of 
the the difference between religion and a relationship. And when I had a relationship with Christ, I, I grew up in the church, like all you know, I knew Jesus, I knew religious things, but it was, I did it because it was the right thing to do. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. It was like, I did this because of an outcome. And I thought that doing works, the more good I did, would bring me closer to God. That would make me a better Christian, a better person. And on the exterior, I was doing a lot of things. I was doing community service. I was helping people out, giving them rise to church. I was doing different things, but there was no love in my heart. There wasn't a relationship with Christ that fueled my desire to do things. So I think that's another preconceived notion where we're taught, hey, you sin, go ahead and throw an extra 100 bucks in, in the offering plate. Hmm. If you want somebody to love you, you'll do this. You'll yeah. do that. The problem with that is it's wrong. It's it's false. Yeah. In Christianity, and there's a lot of people that teach those things. Exactly. You know, you know the Mormons definitely believe yeah. it's all about works. But so in the Bible it says I'll see your love through your works and I'll see your works through your love. There, it's two different things. Yeah, it's not two different things. It, it, okay, so it is two different things, but they're meant to be used together, like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. You so know, they, they bring it. You can kind of like make a Venn diagram over it. Right. Like they kind of overlap each other, yeah. and what's in the middle is what God's looking for. Right. And in the middle, yeah, and 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 it's all based on a relationship with Christ, because if you have a relationship with somebody. You're going to do something because you want to do it and to please that person or God. It's just like in relationships. If you know your wife likes a certain type of candy and it's hard to find because you guys moved away from home and you just so happen to run across it, you're going to get it, right? Because you know it's going to make her happy. You know, it's like... You're not doing it because you messed up where a guy will make a mistake, upset his, his girlfriend, spouse, whatever, and be like, immediately I'm going to go ahead and get flowers and candy and be like, ha, yeah. I'm doing this to absolve my, my wrongdoing and make everything okay. That's not gonna fly in relationships. It shouldn't, <laughs> right? And if and if and if you're okay with that, ladies, you need to set the the standard a lot higher than just accepting. Don't get me wrong. I, if it's free, it's for me. If you know, I'll take it. But don't let that be the deciding factor of and, what and, love is, right? Yeah, yeah and forgiveness because we're, forgiveness and just a relationship with God is all based off off of love. And when, and when it, in, in terms of repentance, to me, it's always been acknowledging the fact that you're wrong and trying your hardest not to do it again. And I think that's when, even, even humanly speaking, you know, like you upset your wife and you, you have a conversation with her and you can just go buy her the flowers and hope that everything's cool. But really what she wants is a heartfelt apology saying, I messed up. I love you. I'm sorry. Let me try to not do this again. Have grace with me because we're human. We're going to fail. And because she loves you, she'll give you that grace and that mercy, knowing that you're going to hurt her again. But the fact that you love her enough to try not to hurt her, yeah. I think that's where the forgiveness comes from. Yeah, and only time tells after that. Right. And that's... That's where the forgiveness comes into play immediately. And then the forgetting, so to speak, um, yes. is over time. Exactly. Because even in the Bible, it says, you know, pure love, righteous love keeps no record of right and wrong. And so when we sin and we fall short of, of the standard of God, as soon as we repent, repenting, obviously, like we just said, means a heartfelt apology and recognizing that you were wrong forgiveness is is given and god forgets yeah 
And that's the difference there. Right. Because we're human. We can't forget instantly, but God can. Yeah. He's made that a rule for himself I, to follow. And I think that's a, that's an, another huge preconceived notion in Christianity or just in our own understanding of how the way the world works. It's like, I need to say 15 Hail Marys in order for something to happen. I need to feel cleansed. I'm dirty. I take a shower. It helps me, you know, feel like I'm clean, mm -hmm. but we're washed in the blood spiritually. And so, um, so say you, uh, you have an idea of how to go to work in life and make more money, which is kind of what I was doing, right? I was mm -hmm. trying to make more money. The idea is that you work harder so you can earn that living, right? You can mm -hmm. earn that higher income level and that status that comes with it. And that I think is what we have to unlearn from our, uh, thoughts about spirituality and God and, and Christianity and religion is that aspect of something you can earn because you could never, <laughs> you could never earn enough to trade for the sin that's occurred mm -hmm. to put you in that position of having to earn it in the first place. Yes, like, amen. We could never pay the amount of debt that's incurred by our sins. Exactly. Or even the interest on that debt. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like can't even make a astronomical. <laughs> and that's and that's the beauty behind Jesus Christ. I love the scripture where it says, even though we were sinners and we were still sinning, God sent his son to die for us on the cross and pay for our sins yeah. with his blood. And that's just phenomenal. And because we hadn't we hadn't actually stopped our sin at that point. Right. And he was still like, I'm going to do it anyway. Exactly. And he made that new covenant with us after time and time again, throughout the history of the world and all throughout the Bible, people continuously fail. But one thing that never changes is God's love for them. How many times did, did Israel as a people fall? God corrected them and then he gave them another shot and was like, I love you. Come on. I believe in you. And he never stops. It's amazing because God is all aspects of love that you can think of. Right. You know, the, the love of a wife, the love of a father, the love of like your best friend, you know, there's any aspect of love you can possibly comprehend. You know, God is that love and he's created it. And that's, that's the thing about relationship that's why it's relationship instead of religion right yes it's because you actually love god and mm -hmm. he loved us so much so so we can love him like he created us right he, he kind of like loved us into existence exactly so that we can love him in return and also with love you're able to understand and give that grace instead of whereas religion i always see I always see it as an argument when religion to me is kind of an argument to where we don't, we're not trying to understand the other point of view. We're just trying to make the outcome how we want to, but in love, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from and, yeah. and sympathize instead of just be apathetic to any and everything that you're saying. It's like, that's the reason why God sent Jesus into the world to endure everything that we go through in the flesh. God already knows. God already knows what we're going through. He created us. He knows what, what anger, what, what sadness. He knows these emotions because he created it. But what I think is awesome is that God brought Jesus into the world not for him, but for us to have an example to lean on saying, God loved us so much that he went, he subjected himself to all these things so we know that he knows what we're going through because Jesus is the living example of what we went through. He got backstabbed by his friends. The people that he healed and, and gave miracles to were calling out for you know Barabbas to be freed. Instead of him, yeah. Exactly. And then as soon as as he dies, his homies go back fishing. You know, it's like all these things that happened. He was he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted by all these different things and, and he knew what hardships were yeah the bible says he was tempted in all ways exactly which means you know, everything you could possibly go through in this lifetime 
you know, and it, it just gives me hope knowing that he went through all that because he could help me. Whereas when I wasn't understanding God, I was like you blaming him. How come my best friend died? How come I can't shake these thoughts of suicide? Why do I always want to do this? Why do I, why is nothing in my life ever good enough for anything or for anyone? And I'm constantly going through the storm, you know? Hell wants us to think that God doesn't love us, but when God does. And for me, when the light came on was when I stopped trying to understand God and put him in that proverbial box and trying to understand why things are the way they are, I rele I relinquished, relinquished control over to God and said, God, I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know anything. But I'm the one thing I'm holding on to is that I have faith in you to show me the way. Wow. Help amen. me to learn. Yeah, amen. Yep. I remember going through those types of thoughts as well. Um, especially as I let go of my, my absolute preconceived notions. I was letting go of those. And in doing so, I became aware that I really didn't know anything. Yep. Talk about that's, being humbled. Yeah, that's very humbling. And being and a man, key. I don't like being humbled. That's key. And, <laughs> and to, to let go of these notions, these notions that we have about Christianity and, and the religious aspect of it, you have to be humble and you have to get over that pride <clears throat> that wants to say, I can earn my way into heaven. Exactly. Because <laughs> we can't. And that's, that's, how I, that's one of my prayers. I'm always just thanking God for the blessings I don't deserve and the forgiveness I haven't earned. And it's okay because yeah. I don't have to. Isn't that inspirational when you think about it? <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't call us. Nowhere in the Bible does God call us to be perfect. I hate it. Okay, I shouldn't say hate because I don't want to desensitize the, the meaning of the word hate. But it really ruffles my feathers and, and I have a foul disposition when people have this, this, this idea that once you say that you're a Christian, your poop can't smell. It has to smell like roses. You're not going to have a bad day. You're not going to slip up and say a curse word. You're not going to do this or you're, you're supposed to live a certain type of way. Sure, there are standards. Sure, we do change. But the biggest hiccup that, that grinds my gears is when people of the world think that we are just like Christ. Yes. We are following Christ and trying to imitate Christ, but I am not Christ. I've I heard am that not so perfect. many times too, trying to witness to people and, and I'm not I'm not perfect as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so when you when I'm trying to speak to people about it and um, they're constantly coming back with things um, like views of the world, trying to overcomplicate the situation and saying, yeah, well, why does this happen? And why, why are you this way? Because like, especially if they knew me before I was saved, um, why are you this way now? And, and you were totally this way. And it's like, how do you tell that person, look, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. And they're like, you're, you're a Christian. You're supposed to be Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Or, well, if you're a Christian, why did you do that? If, if God is yeah. real and you are who you say you are, how come you gave into anger and you yelled at somebody? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to be perfect. It says in order to have salvation, you have to confess your sins Say, you know, claim and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Keep his word with you. Follow his commandments. Obey his commandments. And to love others as you love yourself. Love your wife. Lead your kids in the right direction. It's all these, these guidelines that you need to stay on. But nowhere does it say you can't have a bad day. 
You look at throughout the Bible, look at all the great men of God. Look at David. David committed adultery, committed murder. I mean, obviously he didn't do it with his own hand, but he pretty much sentenced somebody to die oh, to yeah. hide his sin. Murder was in his heart. Right. And yeah. if you do it in, in your heart, you, you already committed the, the sin. Yeah. And you look at that and just different people, like look at, look at Samson, hubris and pride and arrogance, disregarded everything, you know, disregarded God and who gave him the blessings that he got. So it's all these people, but, but just talking about David, David wouldn't did all this, but who does God say is a man after his own heart? David. <laughs> and that to me gives me hope because it shows me I don't have to be perfect. And when you become a Christian and you're living your life for Christ and you're a new convert and even the, uh, a disciple or you've been in the church for 40 years and, and you're what we consider a saint, not the same as, as the Catholics, but just an old head that has been around for a hot wall and we look towards as a pillar, I should say, a pillar. Yeah. They have bad days. I've seen my mentor have a bad day. Yeah. I've seen my pastor. He he'll come up to me. Would I'll just be talking to him uh, after morning prayer, and we'll just have a conversation. And his phone will go off, and he looked at me. And this happens all the time. Well, it happened a lot, quite frequently. And he'll say, "Christian, I don't know why people think I wear a cape. I'm not a Superman." And this is our pastor, you know. And people will go into the church thinking, "Oh, well, your your pastor doesn't have a bad day." That the people in this church don't have a bad day. We all have bad days. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, we're always walking in this flesh body. This It's a it's a body of death, as I think Paul put it. Um, and so we're making choices for life in a body of death. Right. And that is a continual struggle that will never end until the day yeah. that you are transformed into something else. I love how we're always growing in the spirit because we have that relationship with Christ. And because of our love for him, there's that desire to get to know him more. And the more we get to know God, the more he gives us insights and wisdoms that helps us to combat the truths that we preconceived before Christ because our preconceived notions, whatever they are, they are man's way of thinking to understand the way the world works, relationships, Christianity. It helps us to give substance or to better understand, quote unquote, air quotes, who we are as people. But when you have that relationship with Christ, the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, the person, the being, the most supreme God, the creator, like I said, of everything, he starts to impart into us wisdom, which is the truth behind things. And when we're faced with these truths, we can take a step back and be like, wow, I was so wrong about this. Mm -hmm. And if we let it humble us, yeah. Right. And in, of course, it's not going to happen overnight just because like anything worth changing or doing, it takes time. Just like the well-known um, quote where a coach says, in order to change a, a major league batter's swing, it takes 3,000 to 6,000 tries, repetition to make it, muscle memory. First, to be able to unlearn this, the original swing that was failing that person to learning the new swing that is more beneficial for that person and that, that body style and that type. So it takes time. And when I was thinking of this topic, it reminded me of our conversation that we had at the men's rally, or after men's rally this past weekend. And I'll go ahead and give you the floor on that and just... So right when you said that about uh, retraining um, with, the, uh, with the, the batter's swing, um, it reminded me that um, we're being trained 
as athletes. I was I was thinking, so are you telling me that we're athletes for God? <laughs> yeah, in my mind. Hey, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> but um, we're being trained, and I, it reminded me of the scripture that says uh, we are to run with horses one day. So we better learn to run with the foot soldiers now, mm-hmm. so because the horses are coming later. Right. Yeah. So he, we actually are athletes for God. Exactly. In a way, but. What we were talking about before um, at the men's rally was that Priscilla and Aquila um, was a like a missionary type couple that Paul had witnessed to originally and uh, that he had imparted the knowledge of Jesus Christ to, the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ coming to earth as our Messiah, our Lord and Savior. Um, and so before that, they had a different way of thinking, right? So they had to unlearn that, and so they could learn a greater truth. Just like every other Jew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they, I mean, they're God's chosen people, um, but God had a different plan, a different covenant to uh, embark on with them. And they have to unlearn, because we're all individuals. Can't learn it all at once unless you guys all gathered in one place. And we still wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. We still disagree on what actually happened, right? Exactly. And to this day, we're still that way, you know. So debating doctrine and and the. And the so doctrine. when um, when Priscilla and Aquila go on their missions, right? They're they're traveling with Paul, and then uh, they separate from Paul at one point in Acts, in the Book of Acts, and Paul goes off and does his thing, and they are uh, listening to this man um, who is out preaching. Um, He's preaching to people about God, and um, he's before the people, he's before Jewish people, and he's saying things that uh, John the Baptist would have said, and uh, he was he was of that mindset, right? He didn't have any knowledge of Christ coming and dying for our sins, and so Priscilla and Aquila had this knowledge. They heard him. They kindly pulled him to the side after his sermon, so to speak. And instructed him, and in, in, out of love, that there is a greater truth of what was happening, what was going on in the kingdom of God, and that Jesus had come and died for our sins, and there was a new happening in in the spiritual world at that point. And so, if he was going to teach people, he needed to teach people in that way if he was going to be about truth. And he was about truth. So he humbled himself, unlearned what he had previously learned. He kept that base knowledge of God and that understanding and acknowledgement that God is the creator, right? And he added to it this new knowledge. And it it made sense to him um, once he humbled himself and it was revealed to him. When you think you know something, you want to just lock it in place so you can run with it, right? You want to put that in the back of your mind and be like, okay, that's truth. Now I can move on to something else. Um, and that's just how we move forward in life as humans. When we have to go back and relearn something, it kind of hurts. So we need an inspiration to drive us to that point right. to where, okay, I'll go through it. Cause you know what? This is much bigger than this, this moment right here that I have to go through. And so that I can accomplish this greater thing. Well, that driving force to me was my family. Mm. And it was, um, I felt like I was losing them at one point. Like we were about to get divorced. We almost got divorced at one point. We separated for a while. Got back together through the grace of God. And it was a continual struggle until we got saved. Um, and a few years after that, even before we learned to trust each other again, but through that struggle, I learned that it was so much more important for me to unlearn what I had previously learned so that I could give my life to God. Yeah. I like that. Cause it's kind of like to make a relationship with your wife work, you had to unlearn how to, how to love in the sense of what you understood as love and what to expect in a relationship based off of your experiences and the relationships that you yeah. knew as to be the truth, the, the, the standard of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So how, I think, so it became more about 
real love. And that mm-hmm. was, there's a lot of sacrifice in real love. Right. And that's, I thought it was just a little bit easier than that. <laughs> yeah. And that those, those, those principles can be applied to Christianity as well, because it's exactly what we've been talking about when it comes to God. It's, it's like, Hey, we all have our own experiences in the world and different religions, different denominations of Christianity, different understandings, even cultural beliefs. We have these, these ideas of what life is and it helps us to understand existence. Yeah. And so what basically what we need to, what I'm trying to get at here is what is your driving force that's going to allow you to push past that unlearning phase and relearning phase so that you can get to what God wants for your life because that's the bigger picture. Exactly. And if you're dealing with a certain type of, of sin and God delivered you from all these other things, but you're holding on to one thing that you're constantly battling, it helps to have brothers and sisters in Christ, depending on what gender you are. There's only two genders, by the way. I'm not ashamed to say that. Amen. You're either born a male or a female. And if you don't believe me, read your Bible, because that's how God created us. <laughs> don't want to get political, but it's not political. It's just the truth. So so if you're a man, seek headship. Seek fellowship with your brothers. Bounce those ideas off of, of different people. But you have to... In order to change, you really have to hate that sin and hate where you are. For me, that was my driving force on a lot of things because just dealing with rejection and that nagging, that, that, that spirit that is always there. God delivered me from suicide, suicidal tendencies, depression, anxiety, alcoholism, lust even. You know, um, Through tithing, I stopped watching porn. And that's a, a thing that we can talk about a different day. But I was delivered from all these things. And then it was like, God, why am I constantly dealing with rejection? Why do I have this, these jealous thoughts, these fiery darts of jealousy and relationships? Why am I giving into anger when I don't want to? I don't like this. I had to hate it. To make that decision and, and, and to change, but um, we totally got off topic there. But yeah, man, I want to come back and talk about these things with you, though. Right? Yeah. So, but really, to wrap it all up in this topic, it, it's you're gonna hit hard times in your life, and you're going to humble yourself, and it's a learning process, and you're gonna be up and down, and you're gonna be frustrated. But like, like my good friend here, Grady said, is you have to have a purpose why are you doing what you're doing and that's kind of what I was saying is is my purpose to continue to move forward was I didn't like who I was and I didn't like how the spirit of rejection made me feel and it caused me to lose out on on a good relationship because I thought I had it I thought in this relationship I thought I was already delivered. I thought that I was good to go. I was able to do it. And I took a a step back. I took a seat. You know, I told God to get in the back seat because I can drive now. I wanted to be in control. I didn't see that though. So when I let my guard down, that's when hell sucker punched me again and ruined a good thing that God blessed me with. And that's my fault for, you know, disobedience. So what I want to tell you all is that Throughout your walk with Christ, you're going to have to unlearn what you what you thought more than you think. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's a process, and it's going to hurt, but I want you, if you don't have a driving force now, I want you just to think about heaven. And mm. it, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up like, oh, yeah, heaven's, I'm only 22. He, you know, heaven's not going to come for another 60 years when I'm 80. But I had a guy in my unit this past week. He literally walked across the street on post, got hit by a car and died. A guy I know. Yep. And and just like that, he was young. Had a, had a son, you know, that was like five or six. 
He was doing good. He just re-enlisted in the army. He got promoted. And he crossed the street. And somebody not paying attention ran a red light and he was gone. David said, death is but a step behind. (laughs) Yeah. And and that was him acknowledging you could die at any moment. Yeah. And I only laugh not because it's funny, but because it's so true. Yeah. And I always laugh when I'm I'm put in awkward situations or when something makes sense. It it just it's just a coping mechanism. But I want to encourage you all to just think about your own preconceived notions, things that you think are the truth, and it's okay to tell yourself that you're wrong. It's okay to say, man, I was wrong. And you can think a totally different way. It's okay in Christianity to to know the truth and say, hey, dude, I was wrong. Because if you try to hold on to what you think is right, just like I said, you know, earlier with other people saying, oh, drinking's okay. Because it says, you know, Jesus turned water into wine and and it's okay. But you know in your heart that when you drink and when you're drunk, the next day when you wake up, you feel shame. You feel disgusting. I don't have to point out, I don't have to be there and point out, hey man, you sinned. Because the Holy Spirit that resides inside your heart is telling you that you messed up. Because if it, if it wasn't an issue, why do you feel bad? Yep. It's like, uh, you know, fornication resulting in a pregnancy mm-hmm. that neither one of you were ready for. And so there's an abortion. Mm. and you know it's a it's an easy choice at first with the mindset of yeah we're not ready for that there's no way that's not going to be good for this child let's just get rid of it yeah but then in the end once it's gone through with it's like there's an aching in your heart and that that aching is conviction you know yeah that was the wrong thing to do all of it the whole thing was wrong exactly and the Holy Spirit is, is developing you into a better you, into the person that God created you to be. And if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll get there. So I encourage you all to just self-reflect, pray about it, ask God, God, what truths am I holding, or what preconceived notions am I holding on to as truths, but they don't align with your truth. And the more you read the Word of, of God in your, in your Bible, and the more you pray, the more you'll learn that you don't know anything and you didn't know everything to begin with. But God's going to empty that out of your mind and He's going to replace those preconceived notions with the truth, His truth, the perfect truth and the perfect love. And I, have a, I, I just want to say I pray for each and every one of you out there that you can find a, a voice of authority in your lives, um, a pastor that you can submit underneath, that you can, uh, that will be with you and spend time with you um, and help you in your process of relearning what it takes to be in God's kingdom. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your time with us here at, at a man in his word podcast again this is my special guest grady one of my good brothers in my church look forward to him being with us uh here on out as well as elijah will be having um an episode with him in, in the next week so again thank you pray for us as we are praying for you if you guys need direction or you just want to vent or to talk or to just share feedback the email address is in the bio and in the in the bio below or the main page whatever it's on our our page feel free to reach out if you're in a place and you just want to know where to find a church or you need somebody to pray with, or you don't know how to pray, or whatever you need, and you just need a lifeline or a resource, feel free to comment below, send us an email. I can tell you where, where what fellowship I go to, and I can link you with a pastor in your area that will help 
that will call you probably though more more than likely they'll come out and pick you up and bring you to church if you need a, a, a way to get there but whatever it is don't let any for whatever reason that brought you to this channel i just pray that god fills that need for you and i look forward to spending more time with you all in the future and i thank you and um have a great day or night, depending on where you're at and what time. And I just pray that God blesses you and protects you and that I'll be seeing you soon. So, again, thank you. And that's it. Good night. Thanks for having me. <laughs>